Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score, live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, talking baseball with you until 11.30 today. Extra innings, a little extension to the Cubs pregame. We are building a bridge to Cubs-Dodgers. Looking forward to that. Stay tuned right here. Zach Zabin follows us. A big doubleheader on the way. Cubs try to get back on track. Meanwhile, those streaky White Sox are in Boston riding a four-game winning streak after losing eight straight. What a difference a week makes. Good morning, Bruce. How are you doing? Good morning, David. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Uh, you know, a little clunky a day yesterday because of the rain out of the Cubs and the uh, make-up double, make doubleheader that uh, should be make-up doubleheader, but it's a make-up doubleheader Uh Today, with the split doubleheader, the Dodgers and the Cubs are going to be playing, then a night game tomorrow night. But uh, White Sox did what they had to do to uh, continue their mini winning streak going here. And as David said, this is Inside the Clubhouse. We're with you every Saturday morning, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball. And if you'd like to hear the dulcet tones in person of David Haw, all you have to do is call 312-644-6767. Or text him at that same number, and you will be in our show. Yeah, we're going to have a good show today, Bruce. I think we have some uh, good guests lined up. Lucas Giolito, uh, near the end of the show, around 11 o'clock, is scheduled to join us from Boston. We have Ron Coomer from Wrigley Field, the beginning of a very long day for Coom and company, uh, watching the Dodgers and the Cubs play, too. Clayton Kershaw pitching at Wrigley Field today. That's always an event. I don't care if he is in, when you see somebody who is the – that that great you lo- you want to uh, you want to watch and you want to see him a lot of other stuff going on, but I think the two overriding questions today as we gather this morning to talk baseball from people are the White Sox fixed? Are the White Sox fixed after losing eight straight now four in a row? Liam Hendricks all four saves. Do, does this look like the team you expected to see all along? And then the other question: Can the Cubs be saved? <laughs> 
can the Cubs salvage something out of the season, which seems to be getting away from them quickly, and they're not hitting, and the starting rotation has issues, and I just wonder, can the Cubs be saved? Let us know what you think. Call and text 312-644-6767. Last night was a good victory for the White Sox. Bruce 4-2 over the Red Sox. Vince Velasquez does it again. Yeah, he does. He did, David. Uh, I, I thought you were going to expand out, but you're right. Uh, uh, Velasquez, uh, in the, his last uh, two starts, I think he's only given up uh, just about a, one run in 10 and a third innings. So uh, that has been a nice surprise considering how he started out. It was it was tough uh, sledding for him initially going into the season, but Velasquez, a, a veteran who pitched mostly of his most of his career with Philadelphia up to this point, a free agent the White Sox signed, is a, a really nice, uh, really nice pitcher for them right now. And and he pitched well. But you know the key to the Chicago White Sox se- season, David, and I guess we should throw it out as as a topic right now is will the pitching, will the Chicago White Sox pitching ha- uh, have to carry this team? And, and again. You know, some people are shaking their head right now going, yeah, I mean, every team that's good is going to have to have good pitching. But my point here is that with Robert starting the season, with um, Eloy starting the season for the White Sox this year and healthy at the beginning of the year, it appeared the White Sox would be one of the great offenses in baseball in 2022. Will they have to readjust to the fact that it's going to be the pitching and, in particular, the bullpen that's going to have to carry the White Sox to victories this year, playing a lot more closer games than they maybe had anticipated going into the season? Well, well, two things come to mind when you say that, Bruce. I think, number one, that would almost play to the White Sox strength because the strength, to me, is the bullpen. The starting pitching can maybe step forward and be, be, be very difficult to hit with. You have those, the four guys who could emerge as, you know, the kind of playoff rotation that everyone would fear with Cease and Gilito and Kopech and Lance Lynn if he's healthy. But the bullpen remains, I think, the strength of this team. I am surprised at, so far, the emergence of Matt Foster, or maybe I should say the return. He had pretty good 2020, and then 2021 he wasn't the same pitcher. And this year he has been – a guy that you trust in high leverage situations. They're going to get Joe Kelly back into the mix because he right. had a really strong uh, stint in Charlotte. He's he's on the way. Graveman has been outstanding, and Liam Hendricks has been overpowering in this streak and looks like the closer that he has been the last couple of years, Bruce. So my biggest question then would be the defense. If you're going to rely on pitching and your hitting is not going to be what you thought it could be, can you play defense behind that pitching well enough to be the kind of team you can be? Well, they did it yesterday, and that was a clean game. And that's that's what even Velasquez said after the game. He talked about how, you know, I'm not a, I'm not going to strike out a bunch of guys. I think he struck out one yesterday. So uh, they relied on their defense, and it came through uh, very well. They're going to have to play clean games, and the the idea that on a given day, David, you don't know what White Sox player is playing what position. Uh, you have a lot of moving parts at first base, in right field, at second base. Um, you know there are there are guys moving all around the place right now. And third base with Berger and Mancato hopefully coming back and being able to play for the first time this year um, in the major leagues. Um, 
they have a lot of moving parts on a daily basis, and that includes behind the plate, where I think Grandal, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is probably a 50% catcher at this point. He's probably only catching half the games, and and that might be uh, that might lead to him being even more productive offensively and the team being much better defensively. But health has something to do with that, and and, and, and teams don't. The, the, no manager in baseball, I think, writes out the same, you know, eight names every day and position players in, in the lineup. This isn't this isn't the way it used to be, and I think a lot of times. You know, we, we would love that to be more stable, but I just don't not sure how realistic that is, especially with a team that has had as many injuries as, as the Sox have had. We don't know when Mankata's is coming back. He, he would stabilize things at third base. Uh, certainly, you know that um, you, you know that Andrew Vaughn is likely to be there. But how bad is his hand, Bruce? I mean, that that's one that kind of caught me off guard. I didn't know that Andrew Vaughn's injury was going to lead to an IL stint until he ended up on the IL like everybody else, it seems. Right. Well, it's, it's a deep bruise, and that, and that can be you know, debilitating. You get a deep bruise maybe in your leg, you know, you're, you're going to be out there playing about 80%. That's fine. You get a deep bruise in your hand, you know, you're not playing, okay? You can't, you can't throw, you can't hit. Uh, those, those, those are the things that uh, are troubling right now for him. That's why they held him out. While they were doing some rehab for him for four or five days before they put him on the IL, so hopefully he'll be back by next week. It's um, you can only you, you can only backtrack three days when you put somebody on the IL, even if they've missed more. That's just the rule. So um, he'll have to miss a, a full week, but by by next Thursday, I think you know Wednesday or Thursday he should be back. Hopefully from that, but. He was carrying the team offensively, and he was he was driving in most of the runs at that point in time. I, I just hope that when Moncada comes back, and you know you have a a sense of some warmer weather out there right now coming for teams, including the Sox and the Cubs and all 28 other clubs. I think you're going to see just a little bit more offense out of the White Sox, but I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure that it's going to have to be the pitching carrying the team most of the season. Well, we'll look a little closer at what the Sox will do with the rotation later in the show because Johnny Cueto also, after his last start in Charlotte, might be ready to come up and help the starting rotation. Uh, Lucas Giolito, who is our 11 o'clock guest, was pretty outstanding the other night at Wrigley Field. And Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech continue to be very difficult at the top of the rotation for the Sox. We're going to shift gears and talk Cubs because we're going to have – uh, speaking of bullpen and and, uh, and relief pitchers, Michael Givens, Bruce is going to join us when we when we come back. the The Cubs bullpen hasn't had a lot of uh, need to, to protect leads because the Cubs haven't hit well enough to get them. Uh, we've seen some good stuff out of David Robertson. We've seen some good stuff out of Givens. I, I, and today we're going to see Daniel Norris in an opener role in the second game of the doubleheader. How would you describe quickly the Cubs bullpen to date? Well, it's uh, it's going to be challenged, but they've had you know they've had some rest here. They only you know they only played, let's see, two games uh, since uh, last Sunday. So from that pr- perspective, it should be a very well rested bullpen going into this uh, three day series where you're going to have three three days, uh, three games in two days. 
We're well rested too, so we have a big show ahead for you. Stay with us until 11.30. We're building a bridge to Cubs baseball. Zach Zaidman's pregame show right here on the score. The Cubs and Dodgers play a doubleheader. It's going to be a fun day of baseball at Wrigley Field. Finally looks like the weather might agree with baseball. It doesn't look more suitable for an Iditarod out there like it did the other night with between the Cubs and the White Sox. When we come back, Cubs relief pitcher Michael Givens will join us right here on Inside the Clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back Inside the Clubhouse. David Haw, Bruce Levine here until 11.30 before the Cubs-Dodgers take over for a doubleheader today, leading right to Zach Zaidman's pregame show here on The Score. And it is a pleasure now to go out to our guest hotline, sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that is where we find Cubs relief pitcher Michael Givens. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for your time. How are you this morning? No, good morning. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Uh, how would you describe your start so far this year individually? You're off to a pretty solid start. What has been working for you? Um, it's, it's really unusual with the whole uh, short of spring training and um, – been signing late and only having a couple weeks and just trying to um, just get in a little rhythm. Um, right now, just trying to get in my rhythm. That's been uh, focus and uh, with a good start and just trusting all the Cubs pitching coaches and staff and been uh, guiding me and helping me uh, to kind of get warmed up and kind of from missing a little bit of spring training. It's great to have you on, Michael, and thanks for uh, coming on today because I know it's a it's a short work day for you guys. You got to get your work in and then play a doubleheader and play, turn around, and play another night game tomorrow. From from the perspective of getting to know teammates quickly and getting together, you know, as you said, with the pitching coaches and getting the plan going. How uh, how rushed did you feel in spring training to get everything going? I know there was a a time where you had to take a little time off to get your body right. And uh, where do you feel you're at right now as far as comfortability? Um, right now, it's, it's, it was really good, how the, the plan they had. And right now, they did a good plan with me and uh, David Robertson and uh, Chris Martin, the guys that signed late, and trying to get themselves ready for spring training. Right now, it's like I feel like I'm already out of spring training now. I said last week was like that break of uh, end of spring training um, mindset. And right now, I just – first opening day for me so but i'm in thankful to have a good start and getting through the things but give a, a a great appreciation of uh the staff of the pitching coaches how they uh worked us and getting us prepared and worked how to get through this joined by cubs relief pitcher michael givens here on inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score Michael, it's your first uh, springtime in Chicago as a member of the Cubs. There are two seasons in Chicago, winter and construction. So uh, how would you describe the challenges that the weather has has presented and how you've been able to handle them? Uh, It's a challenge. I was in Colorado, and I never got to be in snow and play little snowstorms, but it's a little (laughs) similar with uh, factors of that. But right now, that's what we sign up for. be a big leaguer and then deal with the, the challenges that we have to deal with. So we just uh, go out there and do what we can do best and have each other's backs. And I think we've been doing a great job, especially in the bullpen, um, and pitching really well with the challenges that we've been through. 
Michael, do you uh, notice anything different about the baseball? I mean, we, we know that weather challenges uh, baseballs from flying out early in the season, but we saw a ball that uh, Wilson Contreras hit at about 107 miles per hour that uh, only the great speed of Luis Robert and uh, ability was able to track down the other day. Do you, you feel the the ball is deadened? And uh, I know pitchers aren't going to hate that, but is, is there a sense that uh, there's a a different type of ball that Major League Baseball is playing with this year? I know talks uh, with around the, uh, the league and players I know. Yeah, the ball feels different. Um, not every ball feels the same when you grab it and throw it. Um, the balls that we don't feel uh, the same as the one we threw the prior pitch, we just throw it to the side and try to get another ball that feels comfortable. But at the same time, it, we've been having this complaint for what quite some time, but again, we're pitchers. We're gonna make adjustments and try to do our best and go out there and compete with whatever we got. You know, Michael, I think your journey's an interesting one, and, and people may not be aware you were drafted way back in, in 2009 uh, as a shortstop in the second round by the Orioles, a highly regarded shortstop, and you changed positions a couple years into your minor league development, which turned out to be a very good move for you career-wise. And you see this happen, you know, maybe throughout baseball. There are other examples. Kenley Jansen, I think, comes to mind. The Sox have a catcher-turned-pitcher, Jose Ruiz. Uh, and, and you have different types of examples. What was, looking back, the hardest thing about that? And how how did that happen? Because it, it just seems like, boy, they put you on the right path. <laughs> well, I, I think they already had a mindset of making me a, into a pitcher. Um, they let me... Uh, play short, but we drafted Manny Machado. We had J.J. Hardy at the time, Jonathan <laughs> Scope. Um, not saying I, could, I don't believe I I believe that I could make it as a big leader as an infielder, but they saw that I was a two-way prospect coming out of high school. They that cha- The challenge was to which position should I pick, and they allowed me to play short, but they knew I had a great arm and we need pitching at that time, and they sat down with me, Brian Graham, and said, hey, how do you feel about this Pitching, I, I think, is a great path and to get you quicker to the big leagues. And I trust what he said. He always had a very good interest in my career. And I just took the challenge and went out there and competed and got to the big leagues uh, pretty soon. Michael, when you look at the uh, the Cub mystique and the history of the franchise, have you gotten to settle into that yet? Have you been able to absorb it? Or is the weather and uh, you know the fact that you haven't been home a heck of a lot uh, not really uh, gotten you to the point where you feel uh, Cub Nation and uh, being a part of that uh, special, normally thirty-five to 40,000 people out there every night? Um, right now, I, I just was blessed to be with a, be signed with the Cubs and the history that it has that we get, I get to learn every day coming in the clubhouse. But I think to give credit to the fans on – that rainy uh, game against the White Sox, they're, they're packed, and and that's the more of the history I like to see is like the support of the fans and and a little bit more of uh, getting to know all the uh, Hall of Famers and great guys that came through this. But it's been a pleasure seeing the fans that make it to me the what really feels all about the history of the, the true fans. Michael, it's 9.30 in the morning, uh, and in 12 hours, you may be called on to go to go pitch. It's going to be a long day at the ballpark. You are a veteran. Uh, you, you're there early, and you stay late. What's the secret to getting through a day like today as a bullpen pitcher who may not know when he's going to be called or if he's going to be called? 
Um, just get prepared. Uh, did my homework uh, yesterday, uh, looking over the hitters, and now I'm trying to look at the lineup for both games and see the situation that uh, can be be calling on on the late innings, and just uh, having the mindset and just be ready to go whenever you get whatever whenever you get called on. And same thing with our bullpen. I think we're doing a good job with a great plan, and we just go out there and execute it. Michael, my, the last one from me is uh, about that veteran bullpen staff that has really been keeping you guys in games quite a bit. Um, what do you guys pick up from each other? I, I'm covering the game for as long as I have. Uh, I know bull, bullpen guys are different. You know, they're they're basically soldiers of fortune. What do you guys uh, glom from each other? What do you pick up from a from a Robertson or a Martin or, or some of the other veterans that uh, you've been around in that bullpen so far? Well, just having them uh, as a veteran presence has it's been great, and we all try to help as best as possible with our younger guys. But we we keep it loose. It, uh, we are a, uh, a soldiers to the things that people don't look at, that uh, the things that we go through. But we just go out there and have fun, and um, we try to. We're a family out there. Uh, we're sometimes in a cave that no one remembers us, but then we out there got to do our job um, in situations. Um, with a hard situation, tough situations, and and uh, long games like that, but we were just having fun. We were a family out there. We take care of each other. We pass the baton, and we tell we were like a brotherhood out there. And we tell the young guys, "Hey, if you struggle, don't worry about it. You have a guy behind you that's gonna take care and help you out." And I think we're doing a great job with inherited runs and just having each other's backs. And that's the biggest uh, pet peeve for me and David and Chris Martin. Um, just having each other's bags and pass the baton and give our uh, offense a chance. Michael, welcome to Chicago. Best of luck the rest of the season, and really appreciate you joining us to, at the beginning of a very long day at Wrigley Field. No, nah, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for having me out. Michael Givens, the Cubs relief pitcher, joining us here on 670 Score inside the clubhouse. Bruce, he has been a welcome addition to that bullpen, pretty steady in 10 outings. He's got a 279 ERA been been pretty consistent and also gives you flexibility. He can be the setup guy for David Robertson, who has been lights out when he's had a chance to close games. Or if David Robertson is is somebody that you don't want to use on consecutive days, Michael Gibbons has the stuff it takes to 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 close games as well. So that has been a good find for Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins. You know, David, you you make a wonderful point about uh, the fact that uh, there is a backup to Robertson, and there's there's a couple of them, but. I think that Givens falls into that territory. The, the only the only uh, clunky thing for him is he he, he has a, a high walk ratio for his career. But strikeout-wise, it's unbelievably high. He, he averages 11 strikeouts per nine innings, okay, in his career. So far this year, you know, he has 14 strikeouts in nine innings. So that that's pretty impressive. And, 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 and that is something that uh, can be added. Uh, I, I give Hoyer in the front office uh, a lot of credit for piecing together that bullpen. What seemed like, while, while, while I was in spring training, David, over a 10-day period, I, I'm pretty sure they added five guys to that bullpen. Uh, and all of them have pitched pretty well to this point. We're 24, 25 games into the season. And really, if there's one thing that have held the Chicago Cubs together – uh, even though it's not the start they want, it's been the bullpen. You know, with Michael Givens, I alluded to this, Bruce, and I didn't want to bring it up directly. He mentioned it, but it, here, imagine you're 
He, he's a, a, a kid coming out of high school, highly regarded. He's a second-round draft pick of the Baltimore Orioles, and he's a shortstop who can also pitch. And he's probably looking at it at that point in time, you know, second-round pick as a shortstop. You're thinking, okay, shortstop of the future for the team that just drafted me. Fast forward a year later. It's a 2010 draft. You are a, a young shortstop in the Orioles organization, and you see them with the third overall pick of the, number one, uh, the first round. They take Manny Machado. Okay, all of a sudden you feel blocked. <laughs> you're, not, you're not so excited. And maybe at that point in time it came to him and like, okay, I can see what's going on here. I think maybe I will become a pitcher. It took him another year or so to come around to that, and they made the switch. But just the transition that he made in his career to pivot at that point uh, and, and play a little catch-up, but you do see it. I think it is interesting, Bruce. You saw, you see it with Jansen uh, with the Braves and certainly long time with the Dodgers, and you saw it with Jose Ruiz with the White Sox, guys who were good enough athletes to make that transition from position player to, to pitcher, and Michael Givens is, is just another example. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Uh, there, there are a lot of examples of uh, position players and uh, in particular some catchers as well that have been uh, converted into uh, pitchers. But in the, you know, in the case of uh, Givens, uh, you know, what I like about it, I like his demeanor, you know, having yeah. talked to him uh, extensively in the clubhouse um, during spring training, getting to know him. There's a, there's a different mentality, David, about relief pitchers that have been around a little while and not much really bothers them. They, they carry themselves differently. There's a calmness about them while you see them getting ready for games uh, and they're more present and you're in the clubhouse a lot as well, like I am, they're more present in that clubhouse area than any other position. I mean, they're just, they're talking That's among themselves. You know, it's almost like the, yeah, go ahead. Well, Bruce, don't you think is like, I wonder if that's like part of the job description when you're scouting or you're looking at traits, certainly you're evaluating can they throw or not. But I think when you talk about a personality makeup, you're talking about a, a job description that involves what? A lot of sitting around, a lot of waiting, a lot of passing <laughs> time, and you've got to be somewhat conversational. So I do think that when I start to think back, like you look at some of the teams you've covered, some of the good teams you know, that White Sox 2005 bullpen was full of guys who were just great talkers and great conversationalists. And you look at Michael Gibbons, like, yeah, that could be another example because if yeah. you're going to spend all that time in the bullpen, you better be able to get along with people. You're right. I mean, some of the, the great conversations and the, the stronger relationships I've had with players over the years have been bullpen guys. I remember Tim, Tim, Tim Stoddard with the Cubs. Yeah, yeah and, and, and you know, terrific guy, good friend of uh, Jeff Vukovic, uh, one, one of my good yeah. friends, and um, pitching coach on the uh, Lombard Orioles. They're a semi-professional team. And, and Tim, I would always wait in 1984. I'd, I'd, I'd wait to talk to him after the game, and he'd be sit, sitting back on a chair with the two back legs back, okay, and he'd have a He'd have a, an old style and a cigarette, okay? And, and we'd sit there and talk. And I got the, the most interesting straight stuff in the world from him and a lot of bullpen guys. I mean, it was just, it was a different era in baseball. I mean, the cigarette's gone, the beer is gone in the clubhouse. 
Yeah, uh, but you know, the, the mentality is similar because we heard David Robertson on the score this week talking to uh, Parkins and Spiegel and, and, and telling great stories. We've talked to David Robertson. He's a real conversational Fantastic. guy. He related yeah. the story about how he kept the Chris Sale jersey that was cut up and had Sale sign it at the end of the season. These are guys that enjoy – uh, not the art of conversation, but they're just kind of more relatable than I think most professional athletes tend to be. I think that's right. And, and you know, uh, again, more times than not, and you're, you're going to get straight answers from most everybody. You're going to get straight in-depth answers from, um, from bullpen guys. And a lot of it will have words that you cannot use on the radio, even <laughs> right. to this day. Right. <laughs> yeah. Score Listener Lines powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. And that is where we find Alfonso. Welcome inside the clubhouse, Alfonso. Good morning. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, love you both. Uh, all the respect in the world. But not gonna however, lie, however. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> three years into this, you guys are still giving David Ross a pass. Uh, you guys are covering him with kid gloves. In one week, you probably criticized Tony LaRusa moves more than you have David Ross moves in three years. David Ross has absolutely zero coaching experience, managerial experience prior to the Cubs to give us any indication that he's good at what he does. So when you look at what he is doing, it's below average. Uh, when he did have a team, when the Cubs before the, the, the sell-off, he had two separate 10-game losing streaks. No one ever put anything on him. They fizzled when they won the division at the end. No one ever put anything on him. And I'll give you this example. Last week, the Cubs scored 21 runs. Uh, Nico Horner goes four for five. Uh, Rivas, just recently called up, goes three for six. The very next day, he sits both of them. The very, ne- the very next day, he sits both of them. And not one single media uh, mentioned that at all. But when Tony La Russa batted uh, Lori uh, third last week in a game. I don't remember the exact game. Everyone was at an uproar. What is he doing? What is he thinking? So here's my point. What and why are we giving him a pass? And at what point does this fall on him? And again, I respect the hell out of you guys. So I know you guys know what you're talking about, but please make me feel better. I'm a diehard Cub fan. Make me understand why David Ross is getting a pass. Alfonso, Alfonso. thank you for the phone call, and thank you for bringing a mirror to today's show because we will look into it and see uh, what what we see. Because, Bruce, it's a fair question, and I think it's a valid point. Is there a double standard when we evaluate Tony La Russa and we evaluate David Ross? And that is something that we can address. And if you have thoughts on that, 312-644-6767. Join the conversation right here inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I try to shoot guys straight for sure. I, I think the one thing that most major league players would tell you is they would just want honesty. They want truth. They want you to shoot them straight. We're, we're at a grown men level and um, everybody just wants to know where they stand. And I try to do that. I try to do that as positively as I can. Sometimes those messages, um, you know, have to be a little bit more stern or have a little bit more, um, you know, emotion behind them. But for the most part, I just want uh, these guys are, are trying to make careers. They're trying to win championships for this great organization. I'm trying to do the best I can. My coaching staff works really hard. We just try to try to support each other and be honest with each other, love each other as much as we can and, and try to win, go out and win ballgames. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. David Hoffman's mind. 
until 11.30 today. Building a bridge to Cubs baseball. Zach Zaylin's pregame show starts right after us. That was the voice of David Ross, who appears on this station every other Tuesday with Lawrence Holmes at noon, talking about uh, his approach to dealing with players, Bruce. And, hey, we got called, and I think it's a good phone call Alfonso made because in the Chicago sports media, I do wonder occasionally if we do have a double standard when we evaluate and scrutinize every move and every lineup and every decision that Tony LaRussa makes. And I don't know that we have the same degree of scrutiny or we pick apart the decisions every day uh, of David Ross the way that we do. Bruce, do you think uh, after you know th- this long of David Ross, he's 114 and 132 as the Cubs manager, is he getting a free pass from the Chicago media because he's Grandpa Rossi who won a World Series title as a catcher? Can I tell you I'm not sure yet? I think I think that would be a fair fair way for me to analyze it. And and what I see of David Ross, I like. I, I love his leadership ability. I love his communication skills. Uh, last year, even in 2020, uh, his first year, we heard him talk about learning on the job and changing some of his thoughts as far as what he might have done, what what he might do differently going forward. I think there's great objectivity about his job uh, from David Ross that we hear. Also, great confidence that he can do a good job. Now, managing, like anything else in sports and anything high profile, is about results. Mm-hmm. And there, there aren't any results right now from last year, the second half in particular, and uh, this year. Um, I tend to think it's more a product of the fact that the pitching, uh, and mostly starting pitching, was just not projectable last year, and it's hard to project totally this year what it's going to be until they get Miley back, until they possibly get Mills back here. I don't know, I don't think we know uh, the progression of what the Cubs starting pitching is going to be about. I'm not quite sure if um, Steele is going to be on a linear uh trajectory as far as his pitching goes will Thompson come out of that bullpen and be another starting pitcher for them so from my perspective uh the starting pitching wasn't very good and it wasn't even projected to be good last year David uh and I don't think you can win without good starting pitching Uh, I'm still kind of in that same mode right now with the Cubs Uh, I don't know what that starting pitching is going to look like I think a couple of things on David Ross and how we evaluate him on a regular basis. N- number one, I don't think he's being asked to do the job he was hired to do. And I think that that, that people kind of get what's going on. When he was hired, if you recall, and I know you do, it was to maybe change the tenor in the clubhouse and maybe provide a jolt to the complacency that might have crept in. You had a veteran team full of guys that were trying to rediscover what made them great. You were trying to recapture that magic that had, had, had been lost. And frankly, in a, in a pandemic-shortened 60-game season in 2020, the Cubs won the division with Ross as a manager. And so what that did was that bought him even more time and maybe gave him, gave him extended the honeymoon, if you will. And so you go into last season – and again, the first half of the season, he's managing the same collection of, of veterans that 
he knew so well. And the biggest question was, can David Ross coach and manage his buddies? Well, that was kind of the way we were evaluating him because that was a team that was conceivably going to contend. The world changed for Chicago Cub fans forever when they traded Rizzo and Bryant and Javi, and they went in that direction. That's a rebuild. That, and, and they embraced it, and they accepted it, and they announced it. But I don't think David Ross was hired to be the manager of a rebuild. So now we're going to perhaps – we could either go two ways, I think, as a, as a media core or as a, as, a, as a baseball city. And you evaluate and you, you scrutinize every single decision, and you're, you're critical as you are when they are contending. Or you kind of take a step back and think, okay, he's dealing with a lot of new unknowns as well. And he's mixing and matching and experimenting because he doesn't know what he's got either. And so maybe we take that into account. And what this does is it changes the expectation level. And the Cubs, we have different expectations for than the White Sox. Absolutely true. That's the, that's the truest thing I'll say on the radio all week, all year. Because we think the White Sox are going to contend. We look at Tony What La are Russa your expectations? Ex- what are your expectations for the Cubs? They need to be more competitive than they've been. They need to probably win 75 games, and they need to, to have a season that finishes with the arrow pointing up. Okay, that's fair. I, I think it's a nice analysis by you, and I think it's a, a professional analysis. From my perspective, I always go by what Jim Leland uh, always talked about. When he won uh, <clears throat> three divisions in a row in Pittsburgh and then the uh, – front office decided to uh, not re-sign people like uh, Bonds and Bonilla. They went somewhere else, and he he had a team that finished uh, last and near to last for the next three years. And and he said, uh, that that will show you, I asked him about competition, he said, it'll show you what a great manager I am. He said, because uh, I'm only as good as the talent that they give me to manage. I, I I can help guys. I can put the guys in the right position, but I can't, I can't do the job for them. And, and that was one of the truest things I've ever heard from a manager. And the fact is, is that cub pitching last year, David, was not projectable. Starting pitching was not projectable. This year's starting pitching started to look projectable when they got Stroman. And they had Stroman and Hendricks. And they got Miley uh, for $10 million uh, for one year. That started to look projectable, but with Miley on the uh, injured list um, and still young guys like uh, Thompson and Steele working their way, losing Alzley for the season most likely, it's hard to project. Hard, hard to project that team uh, without the starting pitching. That's what we think. What do you think? Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. The score listener line powered by BetQL, and that is where we find Paul in Valparaiso. Good morning, Paul. Welcome inside the clubhouse. Hey guys, uh, great, uh, great topic. And I think to kind of just go back to your interview you had last week with Joe Madden. I mean, I think the one thing with David Ross, you have to maybe kind of look behind the scenes is how much is the Cubs front office still involved in day to day decisions? I know Theo, obviously Joe alluded to that. Theo really tried to make every decision from, from above. I don't know if Jed Hoyer is still doing that. Whereas with the Sox, you know LaRusse is making all the decisions. I mean, he's that's why he's there. Um, obviously, they have higher expectations, so that's an, that's important too. But the one thing I would say about LaRusse is what Sox player is better this year than they were last year? They still had the same deficiencies. They did make a lot of moves in free agency, and he's kind of basically got the same team. He hasn't really developed them. They're probably still going to have the same issues when they get to the playoffs this year. 
Yeah, that's I'm, interesting, I'm not, Paul. Thanks I'm not for the sure phone about call. that. I, I think uh, I think Vaughn is uh, shown to be one of the better developed players in Major League Baseball from when Larusa took over last year to this year, and the uh, necessity to make him a first baseman DH uh, into a outfielder and an adequate one, uh, and, and to see uh, his progression, I think you know I think that shows. I think that shows some progress. Uh, I, I, I see that with some of the uh, pitchers too. But you know, it's a it's a fair it's a fair comment. You know, with with any manager. But um, you know, it's again, early to make any determination about development of young players. But I will say this, Bruce. It has surprised me, and maybe pleasantly so, that Tony Larusa, as a veteran manager, has been been more willing, and I think sometimes maybe forced is maybe the right way to put it, but. You, to use young players in high-leverage situations. Andrew Vaughn had to play left field out of necessity last year. Jake Berger had to be thrust into the lineup this year out of necessity because of the injury to Yohan Mankata. He went back to Matt Foster in the bullpen this year, and I think Matt Foster has rewarded that faith because uh, somewhat necessity. You know, Joe Kelly wasn't around, but I think that when Tony has relied on young players to come through, even though it might not be his first instinct to do that as a veteran manager, that faith has mostly been rewarded. Yeah, I would say that's right. And again, you know, we're 24 games in to the season, 25 games. Um, we're going to have to give it some time. Obviously, you know, Cub fans aren't uh, aren't going to be interested in hearing that. White Sox fans have a team that's still a game under 500, and the Twins have been playing some hot baseball so far this year. But uh, it's not football, as I remind people at the beginning of the year. There's still um, there's still a lot of games. There's 140 games left in the season. So uh, I, I would say plenty to look at, plenty of positives to look forward to. Even though it feels like football weather throughout the first month of the season, Bruce. It's more like Bears-Packers than Cubs-White Sox. But keep us honest, 312-644-6767. Do you think that we have a double standard when it comes to evaluating managers in Chicago. Does Tony Larusa get more scrutiny than David Ross? Grandpa Rossi, the good old backup catcher, the likable guy in Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, him. Should we be tougher on David Ross, the Cubs manager? You know what? We'll ask Ron Coomer what he thinks. He joins us next inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.